Good evening and welcome to Slam the Gavel, the show that tells it all regarding family court, other court issues, as well as CPS. I'm your host, Marianne Petrie. And since 2016, Monica Shimonik has been coaching moms and dads as they navigate through the treacherous waters of the family law racket. Aside from workshops, which helps with specific problems, her 12-week signature course, The Best Interest of the Parent, uses a four-quadrant model to create a robust healing and empowerment system so that you control the narrative in your life not the state. Use coupon code SLAMTHEGAVEL to get 10% off the course. And you can find this website included in the podcast notes. Now, today I have Aoife Griffin. She has last been on the show in January 15th. She's from Ireland and uh, has been my guest before. And we've talked about her book that was written in 2020, Stop breathe, and enjoy. And that is about living with autism, ADHD, and anxiety, as well as the therapy she tried, and things that worked, and others that didn't, with the idea of giving families hope. So uh, also, Aoife became involved in parental alienation while watching a friend post about it on social media, and she could see the children were being used as weapons. So I want to welcome back Aoife Griffin. Thank you for coming back on. Thank you so much for having me, Mary. I'm delighted to be here. Oh, I'm so glad. So we're going to talk about the healing process of like a lot of things. <laughs> yeah. We have, go for it. Okay. Well, especially when parents go through family court and they have to represent themselves because they just can't afford an attorney anymore. It's amazing how many people get to that point where they're like, I have run out of money, but I still haven't got my kids and I still haven't got support and I still haven't got help. Despite, so in many cases, people who already have the pieces of paper, a lot of the parents I work with have the piece of paper that says they should be able to see their kids, but because of the alienation process, because of their, their ex, that's not actually happening. So not even having the piece of paper doesn't guarantee the access. And that in itself is so stressful and so traumatic and draining for parents. And we were just talking beforehand, the whole court system in general is just this cacophony of stress, anxiety, drama, suffering, and pain for parents, anyone who goes through the court system. It just seems to be set up in such a way to drain you of everything you have, financially, mentally, emotionally, physically, it's like their goal sometimes seems to be more to break than to help um, from the parents that I've worked with. That is what, what I have seen. I've been to court myself and I was lucky enough to, to not end up in, in a horrific situation. I, I had a very sympathetic judge and because I wasn't a, in a situation with an alienator, we were able to resolve things um, quite amicably. However, the stress from the one, two, three times I was in that courtroom, mm -hmm. I was like... How do people do it for years? Like some of the people I'm working with, they're there for five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years. Some of these people are, end up bankrupt. They end up in hospital. Others end up with such horrific illnesses, mental illnesses, physical illnesses. You're thinking, how? How do you ever come out the, the other side, you know, with any sort of life at the end of it? Because they literally have sucked everything. Oh, most definitely, because, and you mentioned mental health issues. Well, 
you know, it's really strange in family court, you know, uh, the opposing will call you mentally ill. <laughs> and, yeah. and the thing is, the court process is causing anxiety and depression, which and is... Mental. Yeah, right. Absolutely. They are huge, massive triggers for mental health issues. Like, right. you've got to take some responsibility for that piece. And again, if somebody is sitting there telling you constantly, you're crazy. You're crazy. Mm -hmm. You're crazy. They're gaslighting you. And it's awful that but the court, court systems are used in certain circumstances to gaslight the other parent into thinking that, okay, actually, maybe I am crazy because they're sitting there and they're presenting cases and they're presenting all of this evidence. And you know, you go in there with your evidence and your case and your everything. But because you are so emotionally drained, and I've seen this firsthand, and it's not across the board, it's not, I'm not speaking for everybody because there are parents who are so well controlled and so together and they still go into the courtroom and they're battered but there are others who are like that's not me they feel they have to fight and because then they're fighting they, the other gets to sit there and go see i told you judge she's crazy she's crying she's emotional he's this he's that he's the other and you're proving their case but you're not you're literally just at the end of your tether because they have pushed you and pushed you and pushed you because they know what buttons to press and the court system and the solicitors help them they absolutely facilitate the alienation in so many circumstances. Not everybody, not across the board. There are some amazing people. I, I, let's be honest, there's good and bad in everybody. Mm -hmm. But from what I have seen, it's like the alienators know exactly who to get to support them, to mm -hmm. support their madness, and to make you crazy. Exactly. And I know attorneys are doing their job yeah. but can they look at their client and say this isn't the right thing to do for the child i know they want a paycheck i know they have to pay on their ford f-150 okay but the thing is can't they look at the situation and say you know, i can't represent you if you're going to do this because i can't be a party to it where is the code of ethics for that? Like, where is the moral responsibility where you have to think, okay, what's best in the best interest of the child? Like, where is the voice of the child in so many courtrooms? I know a lot of the times they say, oh, yes, should we listen to the child? But again, is it a real voice of the child or is it a manipulated voice of the child? And again, it's knowing the difference. And I'm working with a couple of children who are alienated at the moment. Mm. And if I didn't do the training I had done around PA, I would believe some of the stories I'm hearing and I was I honestly because they're so ingrained in them and so brainwashed with them and, and I'm blessed to be able to do hypnotherapy so one particular um person I'm working with at the moment they came to me recently and they went enough is enough I need you to help me see where the truth is and they're old enough now to be able to make that choice for them so for anyone who's listening there is hope that your child will get to this position but they were like X is saying this, Y is saying here, I can't remember which is right and which is wrong. And we were, we were able to go back because everything is in the subconscious mind, everything is in there anyway. And we were able to go back and get this person the answers that they needed. Mm -hmm. And they were blessed to be able to do that. But there are so many kids out there who are in that position who are being told one story. The truth is over here. Their mind is going I don't know what to believe anymore and they don't trust themselves and that's the problem we'll have a next generation of kids who do not trust their own guts and they do not trust their own instincts mm -hmm. and then where will that 
lead them to later on in life. Um, and again, there's still hope. It's never too late to get mm -hmm. help for your child, no matter how old they are, be it from six to 66, you can still get people help. Um, but it's just, why isn't the court system, why aren't the people who are supposed to be protecting the children actually looking closely at what's been said and trained in it to spot? Because if I can do it, anyone can. Um, I'm no genius. I'm not anything special. I'm not somebody who has a million college, college degrees like some of these judges and some of these psychiatrists and some of these people who are supposed to assess it are. But it's just knowing mm -hmm. to, to mm -hmm. deep deeper and not take what the kids say at face value. It's just a quick, I think it's quicker for some people to turn around and go, tick this box. Yeah, the child mm -hmm. says this is this. Good luck and thanks. And mm -hmm. that's what seems to be when I've spoken to people who've had so many, the Irish law system, it's section 32s, it's different forms, obviously to the states, but it's the same idea where mm -hmm. you're supposed to question the child and getting their opinion and getting their ideas. But is it their voice? And the, the thing also is, the child may be telling the judge and the attorneys the truth when they're sequestered yeah. and saying, this is what's going on and this is what's happening. And the judge and the opposing attorney, they've got their own agenda. Mm -hmm. So they're going to twist what that kid says to have their outcome of that case. I've seen that happen. And it's like, the, the, I'm sure the kid is wondering what happened. Why wasn't I listened to? Yeah, absolutely. So I, it's, it's really, and, and I know there's incentives. We have incentives over here, you know, uh, for, for child support and things like that. So they know there has to be a loser to, to fund the custodial parent. And it's when you're a pro se, you go in there and you're being emotionally abused in this courtroom. And, you know, even by a bailiff. I mean, it just doesn't end, right? <laughs> but I, and it's not that I'm laughing. It's just that I've been through it and I look back and I just like cannot believe all this went on. And, and this is why I want video cameras and tamper-proof mics in these courtrooms because people wouldn't believe it until they see it. Yeah. And the problem over here is, do you have it in the States that in camera rule where you can't talk about what happens in the courtroom? So it you... I think it depends if the judge places a gag order on the right. parent. Because that's a problem over here that parents can't speak. They can't say what happened in court because they'll be held in contempt of court. But yet somehow the alienator can tell anything they want about you. Like they can accuse you of mm -hmm. abuse. They can accuse you of horrific things. They can say whatever they like. You try to defend yourself. You're in court. You're in breach of the in-camera rule. There just seems to be such an imbalance of fairness and power. It's infuriating. You just want yeah. to shake the system, don't you? Right. It's like, can't you see this? I mean, you've got someone fake crying on the witness stand and you can't see through that i mean let's stop playing games oh, don't even get me started on all right oh <laughs> there's the mind games that go through this oh my god it's, <laughs> i i wouldn't have the energy to keep up with all the lies that i've been telling and all the mind games and all this i wouldn't have the energy to be a narcissist or an alienator if i tried right yeah, I never, you know, it never dawned on me to turn the kids away from the other parent. It just never dawned on me to say anything nasty. 
I mean, I, I can think it. And when they're over visiting their other parent, I can talk about it in my house with my friends. <laughs> but I, I don't never, I, I never talked about it. However, when you're a target parent, they say you are anyway. Ah, come here. I like I've gone through a divorce since we last um spoke. And mm. like that, the whole dynamic can go one way or the other. And like that, I made the same choice that you did. I'm not going to slight you, I'm not going to say anything against you. But my God, like he, he's we're not alienation, my kids live with me. He can come and go as he pleases and see them whenever he likes. Because I've worked with alienation, I'm like open season, you can come when you need to, you can whenever. But my God, the things he said about me to them, I'm like, what? And I did not, like, it's just why. I know hurt people continue the cycle and they hurt and they lash out and they do things, but Jane, like, not in front of your kids. No, no. And what it's doing, as we know, creating generations of more mental illness. Yeah. Yeah. Like, we're lucky. In my case, my kids all have access to therapy and counselors and we get in now so that it's dealt with straight away but my gosh if you didn't have that support that will carry on and again those repeating patterns and you you know what's familiar to you if you've lived in an abusive home that's how you think relationships are supposed to be and mm -hmm. you continue the pattern you continue the cycle oh I don't actually need daddy or I don't need mommy I just need sperm or eggs or what have you and then once that job is done you can actually be cut out of the life and mm -hmm. that cycle continues and again some of the people I've worked with we have definitely had that pattern where you know one parent or other had been alienated you know seeing their parents being alienated mm -hmm. grandparents you know and it has gone on generational and it is it's, it's about I suppose raising awareness and education so that the cycle can be broken so that other this generation or the next coming up know mm -hmm. actually you know what, there's a better way two healthy parents are what's best for a child. I wish it could be that way. Um, I think well, what that's is... the ideal. <laughs> yeah, right? And because it's like, I know there are good families out there raising, you know, nice kids who are going to run into kids that have been alienated yep. who could be also having, you know, personality disorder traits and they don't know that until they they have but got married. But that's something that we, we should be um, educating kids about, right? If you were talking to teenagers, I think we may have spoken about this the last time, or at least in the conversation after the last time, where if you were able to educate teenagers mm -hmm. about the warning signs for narcissism, the warning signs for uh, borderline personality disorders, what is a healthy relationship? What is an unhealthy relationship? What gaslighting is? Coercive control is? All of these things. So that from an early age, they're like, actually, you know what? This isn't okay. Right. And, you know, so it's, it's education from an early age. So when they start going into a relationship, they notice the red flags. Mm -hmm. Like if I knew then what I know now, mm -hmm. I would not have put up with what I put up with. You know, I'm sure you wouldn't have been where you ended up that if we knew and like that I'm teaching my kids all the time we have conversations about it we actually had a conversation and I was learning about um parental alienation um my lecturer gave us a conversation about um a story about the white mouse did you hear this do you ever hear this study there's a story about the white I don't think and I have okay so basically two parents are in say a kitchen and the kids are in the room so they're not directly talking to the child, but the children is overhearing everything. 
And it began with, did you hear that story about the white mouse that's running around the town? The next day they talked about it was how the, the white mouse was huge. It was after, it's the biggest mouse anyone has ever seen. But the third day, this white mouse was eating a tire off this big truck that was on the road. By the fourth day, the mouse was attacking the, the rabbi, the priest, or whatever was in line with the religion in the church. By the next day, a small child had been taken. And by the end of the week, this story had grown and grown and grown to this massive white mouse that was over attacking all these people. And the kids believed every word. They were like, where's this white mouse? And you know, they had never seen it. They had never been directly told the story, but because they had overheard people that they trusted, they believed it to be true. And they could totally retell the story. So I was telling my kids this over dinner and they were like, well, mom, how can we trust you? How could we tell that this story is? And like, he was one of my sons, he's 16, he's the autistic son. And he was totally turning on me then. He was like, sure, how can I trust you then? How can I trust anyone? And you know, but it was all about that whole conversation about question everything. Don't mm -hmm. take everything at face value. People will tell you things to get into your head, you know? And, and again, those lessons we should be teaching our kids. Um, it was just an example of how easy it is to convince somebody of something that they've never even seen, they've never even heard, but because it was drip fed over a number of right. days in the background, suddenly it was gospel, it was true, and then they were going on and telling others about it. And it's just something so simple. But if you have a child in a home where they have been drip fed poison about another parent, it doesn't take long for them to believe it to the point where they're like, that doesn't ma marry with parent I see but yes if you're telling me that it must be true because they're not here anymore and they left us and mm -hmm. it's very easy to manipulate right and this is how cults work as well yes exactly and you isolate them from their friends you isolate them from their family you isolate them from the people that they know all that other side of the family is suddenly wiped out because they're all tired by the same brush you can only trust us inclusive brainwashed insular terrifying it's a it's really a shame and as a you know as a parent having to deal with that and having say two or three kids that won't speak to you will say you know there has to be a healing process it, with the family you know how, how do you heal from going into court and being abused for it's for years yeah, and it is, and it's hard. And I suppose the sooner you start the healing process, the better. But again, it's never too late. You can wake up any morning and decide today is the day where I deserve better. And a lot of the stuff, because I would love for anyone I work with, I would love to turn around and go, I have a magic wand, I'm going to get your kids back in two weeks. Come and work with me and it'll all be fine. But you can't do that. That would be false hope. However, there are certain things that you have to do. And it's all about preparing yourself mentally, physically, emotionally, for the hope of your child coming back to you because mm -hmm. when they do come back they are going to be in a state where they are going to need you at your strongest mm -hmm. so when you have been beaten down and you have been worn down and you have been kicked and punched and spat at and physically mentally emotionally everything is gone you have to start slowly rebuilding yourself and it's very possible but it does take time and it's very gradual process because you have so many triggers and so many things that need healing um, and when I'm working with parents I work at it from multiple levels so we mm -hmm. do work through the hypnosis we work through to the subconscious mind so it's about reprogramming your brain to know that this wasn't your fault you hadn't done anything wrong this is you know 
the result of, okay, you were in a relationship that didn't work out, you made choices, you made different things, but that's gone now. Um, and then it's about rebuilding. So beforehand, I would ask a client, how do you actually want to feel? Like, what do you actually want? How do you want your life to look? And of course, always it involves seeing the kids. So there is an element of visualization and, you know, seeing yourself with your children. And there is that kind of whole process too. And then we also look at the body because when you are stressed, when you're hurt, you hold the trauma in your body. So even look, think about how you, when we were talking there, you're, you, you go like this, your shoulders go in, you make yourself small. When you're going into court, you make yourself so small, you're nearly invisible. You know, I don't know if you ever watched Grey's Anatomy. Do you remember before um, some of the surgeries, uh, Amelia Shepherd used to do the Superman pose. And it is, it's all about that, you know, the mm -hmm. body, you know, your mind and your body need each other to kind of, this is it, this is me, I'm able to do this. Um, but we, as parents who are traumatized, you go inwards, you make yourself as small as possible. You literally, you don't even make eye contact half the time. You don't breathe anymore. One of the things I do with my clients is I teach them how to breathe. And again, that sounds crazy but we shallow breathe. So everything is to hear because yes. you're in survival mode all of the time. You're going, okay, how do I get through this? How do I exit? I'm literally getting from morning to bedtime and that's as far as I can go. They can't get past that. So something as simple as breathing exercises and breathing exercises for court. That's something that, you know, like so that you can stay calm, you can stay focused, you can get through this. Um, there's also, it sounds crazy, but there's little pressure points that you can touch on your hands. Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. the so people won't see me pressing my hand um but there's a point between that v between your your index finger and your thumb that if you press that when you're overwhelmed it helps calm your nervous system and it's something so simple that no one will know you're doing it in a courtroom but it'll help you just go okay actually do you know what i'm okay i can i can listen to this bullshit and i can get out the other side um other ways of of healing like there's so many different um, modalities out there in the world at the moment but the way I work would be I work with the mind the body and the soul so we literally work on every element of you so that you feel human again mm -hmm. and then when that's when you're in that mindset you can actually start to think okay how do I get my kids back what do mm -hmm. I need to do and I don't know if this is too woohoo for your listeners or not but a lot of the work that I would do would be about the energy so when you're given off that frequency of being strong enough for your kids, they feel it. Like your kids feel your energy. You know that you're a mom. As soon as you have your baby, you feel their pain. You know what's going on for them, but mm -hmm. it works both ways. So they can feel you too. So when you are like so many parents, they're turning up to their access dates. They're not getting to see the kids, but they're turning up. But when they turn up, they look worn out. They look beaten before they get there. So mm -hmm. when you turn that around and you're turning up and you're going, hey, how's it going? Let's go. What are we going to do today? I have all of these plans. But, and even if they don't come, they're going, actually, hold on a minute. Mom or dad, something different about them. Their energy is different. They look mm -hmm. happier, you know. And, mm -hmm. and another element that came up for a couple of clients was that their children, when they came back to them, had this immense amount of guilt. That their life had gone on hold and was destroyed trying to fight for them. So when they did ultimately come back to them, they had this awful weight on them where they were like this burden, this, how did I do this to you? How did I have this guilt, this shame? Because they thought that their parents had lost so much of themselves. Where some of the parents that I was working with, they were like on the other side of that room, they're going, actually, do you know what? I'm turning up heels. So that now when my kids come back, there's no guilt. 
Some of them have gone on, they have new relationships, they have new children, they have new things. So they can go, I never stopped fighting for you. Mm-hmm. However, now I'm here, come into my home, come into this life that I have built. Look at what I have been doing in the meantime. I didn't sit around and, and that's not to say that when you wallow or you're depressed, you're anything, there is nothing wrong with that. We all have that at different stages. It's just don't stay there forever. Mm-hmm. It's not good for you and it's not good for your kids. And there is a ripple effect when you are healthier and you are on the right path, your kids will feel that and they will see that. And when they do come back and they need help and they need support, you already have the tools. You already know what to do. You know who to talk to. You know who to bring them to because you've been there and you've gone, Mm -hmm. okay, this is what works. This is what helps. Let's get you in. And then you heal them too. And you go through the process together where you can support them and love them and nurture them because you've already dealt with your shit. Because we all have have trauma in our bodies. We all hold it in our minds. So many of us who are in bad relationships are traumatized. Mm -hmm. Because how many people who are alienated, it just began when you got divorced. Mm -hmm. There's so many people that it was years of abuse before they left. Domestic, violence, Mm -hmm. um, physical abuse, mental abuse, gaslighting, coercive control. So many things for years before they even found the courage to leave. And that nearly broke them. So there's so much work to do, but it's all doable. And that's the thing. There is nothing so bad that you can't heal from, no matter what. You might think, oh my God, it's gone on too long. It was 20 years I put up with this. It was 10 years. It was, you know, this was 10 years ago and I'm still here. There's still hope. There's still time. Do not give up. Do not give up on yourself. And by give, because when you give up on yourself, you're ultimately giving up on your kids because who if you're not in the right space, how can you be that parent? Mm-hmm. Like we were on, I was on a webinar recently with them, um, Dr. Childress and Dorothy Purty, and that's what they were saying. It was that whole thing of, if you don't look after you, when they come back, how? What are they coming back to? What mm-hmm. state are you in? Are you able to look after them are, if you can't even look after yourself? And it's mm-hmm. like the, the, you know, the airplane thing, put your own oxygen mask on first. So when you have healed you can inspire healing in your children and in the family. And like I say, it ripples across the, the aunts, the uncles, the grannies, the granddads, all of the people who, who are missing out on time with your children. They too come part of the healing process. Definitely. And when you have an alienator saying that mom or dad is mentally ill and then say years have passed, this is why the parent has to take care of themselves and get involved in other activities and keep going and you know go out with friends and self-care. So when that kid may see you and maybe not approach you, they're going to say, oh, they don't look mentally ill. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I have one person in particular who liked that set up an Instagram account just purely to post pictures of all the amazing things they were doing from swimming in the sea to climbing mountains to doing all these things. They know that their children see it. They don't Mm -hmm. comment on it. They know that they see it. And it's literally so that they know, do you know what? They're okay. They aren't crazy. They're not, look, they are lovely, happy, excitable, adventurous people who ultimately love me. Mm-hmm. And that thing, like you're, you're, you're born loving your parents. Like right. you, you want to, every child wants to love both parents. And no matter what divorce you go through or whatever else, that love is inside. They're just, it's just not safe for them to show it. And once that time passes and they can suddenly start showing it again, 
self-love, self-care, showing that you loved yourself first. Mm -hmm. So important. It is. It is. And I, you know, I wonder how they'll look at the other parent once they figure this out, like how the lies, yeah, then it, there's just so much uh, so consequences. You teach your children that as a child, actions right. have consequences. So the consequence of the alienator's actions should eventually come full circle. Oh, you they know, do. So they'll see true light and they will. And that's where I saw the idea of karma and all these things came from. Um, at some point, the mirror is going to be held up and they're right. going to have to see. Well, we were talking about this earlier before we hopped on, and I was telling you that I was uh, in a federal court case trying to hold people accountable. And now it's, you know, as a pro se, I don't know, you're just not treated right. So then you have to go to the higher, you just go higher to bring these people to accountability. And, you know, the one of them is, you know, uh, the the ex right so then you have your kids hating you because you're taking dad to court but the thing was you know since i didn't talk about court when i was going through the family court process you know i i sheltered them from that of what he was doing to me yeah so i'm the bad guy <laughs> and it's horrible to think that you know and again, you're doing the right thing. You're going, I'm trying to alter my child. I'm trying to protect them. I'm not going to draw you in. But the alienator doesn't have those morals. They don't care about drawing the kids in. And that's the problem, is that they don't see the damage. Mm. They, don't, they don't even care. It's not even about whether they see it or don't, don't see it. It's just, it's not even on their radar. It's like, it means to an end. Mm -hmm. But it will come back. Because eventually those kids will hear the truth. They will see the truth. They, your children are so lucky and so blessed that ultimately they'll be able to listen to your podcasts and they will learn all these things and they will know the truth and it will be out there mm -hmm. for, for them to be able to access easily. And hopefully other, other children of other alienated parents who don't have their own podcast will be able to listen to you and say, actually, do you know what? That sounds like my parent. Mm -hmm. Mine, you know, that, that sounds so similar to my story. Um, and there's an author of a book over here um, Fintan Murphy, and he wrote a book called Don't Hug Your Mom. And that's what he was saying as an adult, you know, looking back and seeing how his, his father and mother handled their divorce and how they were alienated and how they came back and how the tables have turned. You know, when kids know the truth, they're going to turn against the other parent because they removed this loving parent from their lives for mm -hmm. zero reason apart from the fact that they were hurt like let's let's like they're hurt be it from the fact that you left be it the fact that they have some sort of disorder and the horrific thing for so many so many people is so many of these narcissists picked you out knowing that they were going to do this to you at the end hmm. it's, it's premeditated yeah, like when I you do. learn about narcissism and you see that that so many of these people they target you because they know that they can manipulate you, that they can use you. They know how to press your buttons. They love bomb you at the beginning. They go, oh, wow, you're this, you're that, you're the other. They isolate you and they make your world smaller and smaller and smaller because all you need is them. 
because mm-hmm. look at all they give you look at all they do for you and when they have you in they have you vulnerable that's when the pulling you apart thread by thread begins mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then if you start to go against them or like in a cult if you start to open your mind at all right you've got two choices you're either ostracized and pushed out and then all the rest of the cult is turned against you which is what happens in alienated homes or you, you, there's literally you don't exist you're like you either come back into the fold or you're gone forever because mm-hmm. we don't want you and we don't want you and it is it's literally like a cult look all of those people out there are not safe we are in here look at all i do for you look at what i have for you look mm-hmm. they've left us so they don't love you the way i love you and it's oh it just it actually makes me sick even just talking about it i feel violently ill like it's just horrific oh definitely um Oh, we were also talking before we popped on was, you know, as people defend themselves in court and they're trying to hold people accountable, you know, you'll file your paperwork, send it off in the mail and think, oh, that's great. I'm so glad I, you know, I stood up for myself. I sent this in, you know, hopefully they'll read it and accept it and know that the wrong and see the wrong. That's what I'm trying to say. And then you'll try to enjoy the rest of your day. And like we were talking earlier, you know, you just go to a couple shops and then suddenly you're overwhelmed with this feeling of yuck. I just want to go home. (laughs) And that feeling of yuck is just so overwhelming. And like exactly what we were saying, like you just had to get out. You just have to retreat and go home because that weight, that mental pressure, even like you're thinking, we, we were saying that, remember, you know, did I put everything in? Did mm-hmm. I miss anything? Did I forget anything? What if I didn't do the right form? Then you have the pressure of if I felt in the wrong form, they're just going to throw it out anyway. And you mm-hmm. have this huge burden, this weight, this mental strain on your head where you cannot think of anything. As we were saying, how do you even think about what's for dinner when all your mind is in that envelope going, waiting for them to open it, waiting for them to read it? Or you have the whole pressure then of going into the courtroom mm-hmm. and that overwhelm of standing there and going, are you going to listen? Are you going to mm-hmm. hear my story? Are you going to actually see the truth? or believe the lies again mm-hmm. and that in itself is traumatizing and that stress and that pressure and you're literally in that survival mode that constant stream of fighting and drained and overwhelmed and you're literally every waking thought is just how do i get through the day right right i mean you, you get home and you just try to stay busy um vacuuming <laughs> washing the floors <laughs> taking the dogs out and trying to put it out of your mind. And my counselor always says, just throw it up to the universe. There's nothing you can do about it now. And just put it out of your mind. Oh, I thought it was that easy. I know. (laughs) It's something we all wrestle with because I mean, when you send in paperwork, seriously, if, if something isn't signed right, they'll dismiss the case. And that uh, pressure that you're under, just thinking of that, it's like, oh, the wrong, the wrong letter, the wrong word, the missed initial somewhere. Mm-hmm. Like that burden on you must be so great. So, you, you know, the, the, this parent going through this just has to 
stay busy. And I mean, I've heard that even staying busy is not a good thing either, like staying no. too busy. No, because that's the other extreme thing, because then you're not dealing with the emotion. Mm -hmm. there has, there's a, a midway in between. It's like that, you know, having set coping skills where, you know, when you're overwhelmed, you do X, when you do Y, but it's about doing it in the bits that where you're not overwhelmed. So it becomes your norm. So it's about that self-love piece, that self-care piece, that having somebody who actually understands you that you can talk to, having mm -hmm. something that you enjoy that's just for you, even if it's five minutes of something that you really, really enjoy from reading a book to going for a run to going to swim in the sea to you know there's a million different things but something that's specific to you that brings you joy even if it's just for five minutes even if you feel guilty for feeling joy for those five minutes because that's something that a parent who's gone through alienation goes because they go oh my god I just enjoyed myself for five minutes I'm not supposed to be, I'm supposed to be missing my kids I'm supposed to be doing this I'm supposed to be, you know I'm supposed to be thinking of the course and they feel guilty for stopping for five minutes and you're mm -hmm. trying to go okay to stop it's okay to put this down for five minutes it doesn't mean you love your children any less in mm -hmm. fact you love them more because you are loving them you are loving yourself you're doing something fun having some form of therapy some form of support be a support group be it other parents somebody who actually understands you and doesn't judge you that's mm -hmm. what you need because there's so much i don't know about the uk or the states but in ireland there's so much judgment still. There's so much of, well, there's no smoke without fire over here. So if the mom isn't involved or the dad isn't involved, mm -hmm. there's no reason. And you have that. And you have friends that you had when you were a couple or when you were parents. And then suddenly, like, think of your phone book. How many people are so-and-so's mom or so-and-so's dad? You know, mm -hmm. and then you don't have your kids. Suddenly so-and-so doesn't want to know because your only connection with those when you're a parent and you're on the sidelines of pitches or you're going to after school stuff or you're on the PTA, your friends are those people. So when mm -hmm. you lose your children, a lot of your circle of friends go with them. Mm -hmm. And so you're left vulnerable and alone. And it's about rebuilding those connections, rebuilding, creating a new life for yourself. And it's not to dismiss the old one, but it's about having a circle of friends who understand where you're at, who do not judge you, who do not criticize you, and who will actually support you. So that when you are having a bad moment, you can pick up the phone and they'll listen. And that mm -hmm. goes, okay, I'm coming with the, you know, glass of whatever you need, or, you know, the box of chocolates, or the, let's go for a walk, whatever it is that takes your fancy. But it's somebody that you can go, do you know what? I actually need you right now. Um, but it's about, and I have to say something physical is really, really important, mm -hmm. be it, you know, walking, running, yoga, mm -hmm. swimming, there is no short, but something that actually releases the tension from your body because you're mm -hmm. holding it in your nervous system, you're holding it in your body, you're holding it constantly. So anything that releases it and gets the good endorphins going, do it. Even if it's five mm -hmm. minutes punching a punching bag, when you literally have the face of your alienator on the bag and you punch the bejesus out of it, yeah. something. And it releases tension do it because if the longer you hold it in the more damage it does to your health mm -hmm. well you know even hula hooping as crazy as that sounds that's very cardio i mean you, i mean you can do that i mean i think i can tolerate three minutes of that and then it's like i gotta go sit down <laughs> Three minutes oh my god i don't think i do three seconds of hula oh my god and then <laughs> What's fun is on YouTube, you know, you've got teachers that are saying, here's a new trick that you can do with the hula hoop, you know, and it's fun because like, oh, that's this all trickery. This is fun. You know, I'm, I was trying to learn new tricks on it. 
And uh, that was a good distraction. Oh, I love it. So, you know, it just... I love it. But it is, it's about finding something fun. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, so parents just have to... I want to see a video on that. I do. I want to see a video of you. Oh, yeah, I will. (laughs) Yeah, oh, I'll definitely will. Definitely. (laughs) I still have to practice some of these tricks because I'm the type I have to look at this video like four or five times. Like, how did they really do that? (laughs) Break it down. Definitely. Um, I'd like to have you back on the show again. Hey, I was going to ask you, uh, if for some reason I came into some money, would I be able to fly over to Ireland and have you hypnotize me to help me forget family court? Let's give it a go, Marion. Actually, next year, hopefully, we are, we're going to have our own kind of healing retreat center. This is our goal. This is what uh, myself and my partner are working on at the moment. So when that opens up, Marion, we'll have to have you over as a guest. You can even podcast from there and we will see what we can, we can do for you. But yeah, sure. Why not? Let's try it. You won't need a small fortune. You don't need to win the lotto to come and visit us. Oh, cool. Because it's like, you just want to take this, you know, the, this family, like things, things like uh, intrusive thoughts pop into your head. Like, I don't know. Yeah. It's like, I just want it all to go away. Yeah, you can hypnotize yourself to believe or release anything. Yes, come and see me. Because right. when I... You might need some of those memories first. <laughs> yeah, right. Because I, when I was a psychiatric nurse, a psychiatrist told me, he said, don't let anyone hypnotize you or take control over your mind. I don't take control of your mind. I let you take control of your mind. All I do is guide you to that state. You know that state you get into before you fall asleep at night. You mm-hmm. know, when you can hear what's going on, you could talk if you wanted to, but you're so relaxed, you really don't care what's going on around you. It's just that state. So you are in total control over the time. I do. I literally just ask you questions and you answer them and we release and visualize and empower you. I never, ever, ever mind control you. I promise. Well, it's been my question since I talked to you the last time. It's like, I should have asked her, can you, you know, through hypnotism, get rid of these memories? You can remove anything from your mind. First, mm-hmm. we remove blocks all the time. You take things out, you release them, you move on. So, yeah. Well, there is hope then. I'm it's glad possible. to hear that. Anything is possible. You have total control out of your mind. It's like the computer storage. So you can literally delete a file. You can move on. But I think at some point you'll realize you don't actually want to let it go. You just want to release the emotion attached to it. The right. pain. You want to still know what happened because you want that to be part of your story that empowers you going forward. Mm-hmm. You just mm-hmm. want to change your perception of it. You want to empower yourself. You want to go, I don't need that pain, mm-hmm. but I can have the memory. And that's the power. So you can have the memory without the pain association. And that we can absolutely do for you. Come to oh, the, Yeah, oh, definitely. I would love to. I can't wait. <laughs> so I will have you back on again and we'll, we will chat some more. And is there anything else you'd like to add? No, thank you so much. And I just want to send some love from Ireland to you and to all of the alienated parents who are listening. There is hope. Do not give up. Stay strong for your kids. They need you at your healthiest and your happiest.
Very true. Slam the Gavel is a podcast to help the public understand what really goes on in the family courtrooms. I'm your host, Marianne Petrie, author of Dismantling Family Court Corruption, Why Taking the Kids Was Not Enough, and Cry Out for Justice, Poems of Truth. Please join us again with Aoife in the future and other guests. So thank you again, Aoife. Thank you. Have a lovely day. Thanks a minute. You, you too.